Good morning again, everybody, to be with you today. The, there was a mist this morning. I was thinking how appropriate it was, but it's lifted now, so that's okay. Life is difficult. This is a great truth, one of the greatest truths. Can you have the next slide, please, um, Trevor? Thank you. These are the opening sentences of a book called The Road Less Travelled. Uh, this is a book by an American psychologist named Scott Peck. And The Road Less Travelled um, is one of the best-selling non-fiction books of all time. And it's about learning to live in the light of the difficulty of life with acceptance and grace. And the, I think the reason why this book is so popular is because most of us actually know through experience, and often quite bitter experience, that life is difficult. Even uh, an easy life, comparatively speaking, is still actually quite hard a lot of the time, isn't it? And so, as we've heard, we're starting today to look at this book of Ecclesiastes. And this book in the Bible is one that faces head-on this great truth of the difficulty of life. Now, I don't know what your opinion is of what kind of book the Bible actually is and why you might read it. Well, you might see the Bible as an inspirational work, to encourage you. We might see the Bible as a book that has teaching and commands for life, or perhaps one that has stories about what God has done, or a book of history. You might love the poetry of the Psalms and find it to be exciting. In fact, of course, as you might know, the Bible is actually a collection of books that were written over a period of more than about a thousand years. And there are lots of different types of books within the Bible. And so one type of book in the Bible are called the wisdom books. And these are some of the books in the Old Testament that explore the reality of life and how we can live well, the wisdom books. And they contain advice and words based on the observation of what actually goes on in our lives and how to relate that to what we know about God. In particular, the wisdom books you might know are Proverbs, Ecclesiastes and Job. Um, and these are very interesting books because they have a very down-to-earth perspective on what life is actually like. And in particular, the uh, Ecclesiastes and Job look very closely at the difficult side of life. And Ecclesiastes asks us a lot of challenging questions about the purpose of life and whether there is any meaning to what we do at all. So we, as we start thinking about it, you could ask, why do we look at Ecclesiastes? Well, why should we look at it then? Um, for me... One of my desires for myself and for this church is that we would be a place where um, our faith in Jesus actually comes into contact with real life and that we learn how to live out our Christianity in the context of our everyday lives that we're living and the reality of them. There is a tendency in Christianity to separate off our faith from the rest of our life, uh, to bring it out on Sunday uh, or special occasions like Christmas and sort of think about it a bit then and then take it not into the rest of the week or the rest of the year. And also we do have a habit of separating off uh, the unpleasant side of our life, so our sadness, our anger, our pain, and emphasise only the positive, happy and joyful side of things when we meet together and when we talk about our lives in church or in the other Christian groups we're part of. And there's something in that, I think, that in the end can make our faith a bit unreal. Um, I've talked in the past year or so with some of you in this congregation about the concept of what we call spiritual bypassing. 
Um, this is a term in counselling literature for what happens when people of faith use spiritual beliefs and practices to try to bypass the reality of experiencing negative emotions. So instead, perhaps instead of going through grief, the process when someone dies, we might say, it doesn't matter because we believe in heaven. Or instead of acknowledging when we're angry or acknowledging when we're hurt and working through forgiveness and working through restoration, we pray about it and hope it will go away. That is not the biblical way of the spiritual life. And, but the Bible invites us to actually travel through reality before we get to joy, before we get to authentic hope. And so I think that Ecclesiastes is good for us then because it challenges us to look again at the difficult side of life and to acknowledge that it's there and it needs to be grappled with. And then to ask exactly what faith in Jesus and actually following him can offer to those issues and how we approach them. I also think that Ecclesiastes is good for us at the moment because we're kind of starting to roll down towards the end of the year. Um, and this is when life gets very busy and we become tired and in that framework we lose perspective on the reality of life. Um, this is a time when small grievances become big fights and minor inconveniences, court cases, you know. Um, and it's a time when we can feel the difficulty of life a bit more strongly and it's good to take some time to reflect as we get into that. Um, I'm sure that in term three, as winter drags on, um, many of us start thinking along the lines of verse three in our reading. What do people gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? How long does this year go on? Now, as you might have picked up from this reading, Ecclesiastes takes this idea that life is difficult and it takes it to the extreme, asking actually, what is the point of life at all? And it's based on the perspective of someone who's tried everything in life and thought about it very deeply. So Ecclesiastes is based, as we heard, on the teaching of someone called the teacher, possibly Solomon, uh, but, also, but unnamed. Um, and so the teacher gives us in Ecclesiastes his perspective on life. And we can see, as we read, um, that the teacher has this image of life as meaningless. Now, he says meaningless a number of times. The word actually is hevel, which in the Hebrew... And it's a word that means smoke, or a mist, or an enigma, something that we can't see through. That's why I thought it was great there was going to be misty day. But, you know, we do what we can. Um, so when the teacher says life is meaningless, he doesn't necessarily mean that in the sense that we might think, and that it is, he's not saying life is completely random, but just that life is lacking the substance of something that you can hold on to and understand. Life isn't solid, isn't graspable. Things in our lives don't last. They're like smoke or a mist. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow hasn't come yet and the present moment slips through our fingers like a mist. And so that's the perspective that this teacher gets when he looks at the world and then at the lives that we live in it, these frantic, busy, active lives that we live. They are smoke. He says... Here, in comparison with the history of the whole world, the lives that we live are really not much at all, and the significance of, each, of our lives are, is quite debatable. So in verse 4, he says, Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. At best, humans might live for 100 years, but what is that compared with the time frames of the earth? The sun keeps shining, whatever happens here on earth, and will keep doing that for billions of years more. The wind keeps blowing and it keeps, will do that regardless of what happens to us. 
Rivers run to the sea and then the water comes back as rain and runs down again and again. Nature keeps going through its regular and reliable motions day in, day out as our beauty fades, as our cars and our phones become obsolete and all our achievements pass. And we do think, oh, things are new in our own day, but he says, basically, in the end, everything has happened already before. He says, he concludes in verse 11, no one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Just think about it. What could you tell me about your great, great, great grandmother? Do you know her name? What was she like? What did she achieve? There's probably some people who do, I know. But (laughs) add a great to it if you think you can. And what will our great, great, great grandchildren think of us? Will they even know our names? When you look at the big picture of history, you can see how temporary these things are, our lives and our concerns, which seem so important in the moment. They seem solid. They seem real. But consider them from the perspective of the sun and the wind and the sea or a mountain, and we see that all of this is just a passing moment. And when it comes to this perspective, the teacher actually has less to be humble about than we do today because our modern view of the universe is much bigger and much older than his was. We don't just see the mountains and the rivers and the earth and their hundreds and thousands and millions of years. We can think of the huge immeasurable expanse of of space and the trillions of galaxies that make up our observable universe and beyond that perhaps the infinitely expanding universe beyond that no one can ever see or comprehend and within this within this perspective aren't there our lives are just smaller and shorter you know in the cosmic scale all of humanity is the blink of an eye so this then is life under the sun according to the teacher life in this world Nothing really new seems to happen. The world goes on after generation after generation without much change. Our lives are short and they're like smoke and everything that we work for or care about will pass away. Things that seem important to one generation have no meaning at all to the generation that follows them. I once saw a very sombre documentary that asked the question of what would happen on planet Earth if the human race disappeared entirely today in a moment. And it looked at all the gradual stages of how all the artefacts and the traces of our lives would gradually erode and wear away and return to nature. And their conclusion was that in about 10,000 years after that event, it would be very difficult for someone just looking at the surface of the earth to tell that our human civilization had ever existed. It's not very long, is it? It's not very long time for our achievements to be completely buried and washed away. And so this is a sobering perspective and that Ecclesiastes brings. And Ecclesiastes is a melancholy book. And those of us with a melancholy disposition are going to enjoy this next term and will make you join us in that. But the point of the book is not to despair, but to look truthfully at life and to understand our challenges to live in this world under the sun. We live in a very strange, awesome, ancient and vast universe and we tend to distract ourselves from that reality by focusing on the things that are right in front of us. The busyness of our lives and investing ourselves in all those matters without asking bigger questions about life. 
This is something that we struggle more and more with in our society because we have constructed around ourselves this net of distractions of media, entertainment, soccer matches, as fun as that was to watch. Um, activities that actively prevent us from spending time on this kind of contemplation of life. But the teacher reminds us, fundamentally these things are fleeting and they will pass away. Um, I, I'm at likely what is the halfway point or so of my life at the moment. How did that happen? <laughs> I used to be so young. <laughs> um, and this is why in later chapters, as the video said, he goes on to... Ex oh, sorry, I, I was going to show you a video and my notes tell you that I can, but it didn't work this morning, so... Spoiler. Anyway. Um, we'll see in the weeks to come. The teacher will explore the things that we try to fill our lives with. To grasp at meaning, things like pleasure, things like wealth, things like work, things like relationships. But he says, and he comes to the conclusion, that all of those things are hevel. All of them are smug as well. All of them fall victim to time. And later on he also talks about death and how that affects us as well and the meaning of our life as we go through it. So I think that as a good way for us as Christians to approach Ecclesiastes, and that's the way I'm going to do it as we look at this series, is to see that this book raises for us problems that need or demand an answer. And Jesus provides those answers. Jesus does not provide us a spiritual bypass around the realities of life. He provides us a roadmap through these problems to the other side. There are problems that we have. What does it mean to live in the world, in the, in the kind of world that we live in, in the world, the issues that we face under the sun? So I've got to think, what does Jesus say to this problem of time that Ecclesiastes raises, this problem of time? Um, one of the things that we see right at the beginning of Jesus' teaching ministry was that um, he announced that something new was happening in the world and now that he was here. So in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus begins his work by making an announcement. So if you look at Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus said, The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As you might know, Jesus' teaching is often centred on this idea of the kingdom of God. And every time I do a sermon recently, it seems that I have to prom am prompted to remind us of the kingdom of God and what it means. It's almost like it's very important to Jesus. The kingdom of God is the power and the presence of God in this world that changes and transforms things to the way that they are intended to be. Jesus came to bring this power into the world in a new way. What Jesus is saying here in Mark is that it's an announcement of a new perspective on history. There is now something new under the sun. According to Jesus, the history of the world has a purpose and God has plans for our ongoing life with him. While it, appear that, while it may appear to us we are bound by time and its relentless march and our short lives, Jesus says the world actually is going somewhere and we're going along with it. The teacher perhaps doesn't actually understand life as much as he thought he did. So the kingdom of God is a new perspective on the world. It does add new purpose. It does add new energy to it. So perhaps think about it in this way. Ecclesiastes speaks very truthfully to us about the cycle of life. Things go around and around and around forever. In the lighting of Jesus... His teaching, I think, however, our lives are not just a circle. They're kind of a spiral. You know, yes, we move around and around, but we're also in the same time moving forward or moving up, deeper or higher into the kingdom of God and God's life. 
So yes, our lives are short. Our lives are like smoke. But God is actually drawing us into a more solid form of life, into something that has meaning. There's something new under the sun, and it's the kingdom of God. Jesus has brought something new. So what I think that um, Ecclesiastes teaches us as Christians is that we do need to see the world with two eyes or two perspectives. So firstly, we do need to look clearly at the way things are and to be honest about the difficulty and pointlessness of much of the things that happens to us in our life. And to embrace that and not to deny it. We don't have to pretend that things are okay if they aren't. And we don't have to deny the realities of pain and ageing and sickness and death. But then I think we do need to have another perspective to measure those things by the hope that Jesus has brought into the world about a new purpose and direction to our lives and to history in general. So as we go through Ecclesiastes, which we've just begun, I hope we can let the teacher knock down for us the various meaningless buildings, the meaningless approaches to life that we are tempted to build up, so that, again, we feel the need to build our lives on Jesus and on his kingdom. So let me pray as we start that journey together. Lord God, we acknowledge today the life we live is a mist, a smoke. It appears meaningless at times, and even if it doesn't, it is short. That things flow away and we can't grasp them. And Help us, Lord, to see that face-to-face, that reality, to grasp it with our minds and our hearts, and to see the urgency of the question of what is true and what is solid, to not be distracted by other things. And we pray that as we do so, the reality of your kingdom and its solid, enduring power would spring up under our hands and our eyes. And we would know what is true and lasting. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.